Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneider. Richie, we've had in the last couple of days uh, two staff departures from the football team. Uh, former offensive line coach uh, Augie Hoffman is no longer with the program, and neither is Nunzio Campanelli, who has filled in a lot of different roles on the team. Most recently, uh, interim offensive coordinator, tight ends coach. Uh, Interim QB's coach. Interim QB's coach, interim head coach, interim offensive coordinator. Uh, He's basically filled every offensive role on the staff at different points. Um, Both those guys came over to Rutgers when uh, Shiano, I guess Nunzio was on the previous staff, but both Mm -hmm. are former big-time head coaches in the high school level, uh, New Jersey, um, and they are no longer with the program. So I guess just talk us through uh, why they're leaving and what that means for Rutgers. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I use, I guess you use the term leaving loosely, like they're definitely leaving, but it's kind of like a mutual type decision. Um, yeah, so I mean, Nuns has pretty much coached everything but offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I guess he didn't coach wide receivers either, but I don't want to say he didn't get a raw deal. He's been here for quite some time. The expectation was you're going to add these two big North Jersey guys and they're going to open up like some kind of pipeline from North Jersey to Rutgers and it just never panned out. Uh, in terms of nuns, it's it's kind of weird because his forte is coaching quarterbacks. He never really got that chance. I guess he got like, yeah, here, here's four games versus Michigan State, Michigan, like ha- have fun, like see what happens. That's not enough time in my opinion. Now, I think nuns is going to pop back up on a college scene relatively soon. I don't know where or what level. If I had to guess, he'll probably drop down a level and take an assistant coaching role. Or I could even see a Power 5 program picking him up as an analyst type uh, type situation. I know a lot of programs are starting to do that more and more. Look at Rutgers. I mean, Scott Valone's an analyst, and he's a pretty damn good coach. Jamal Westerman, uh, the list goes on and on. Joe Susan's technically an analyst, per se. Um, I know his title's not analyst, but they, they have a bunch of guys on staff at Rutgers and, and elsewhere. So I wasn't shocked if he ended up somewhere like that. Uh, Augie, kind of a similar situation. He was coaching running backs. Then he coached uh, offensive line this past year. I don't want to say he got a raw deal per se. I just think that Kirk wants to bring in his own guy, and that's kind of the situation here. And there's really no space for Augie. Now, I don't know where he ends up. I wouldn't be shocked if he took a year off. I know there's some people talking about that and then getting back into coaching uh, the year after that. So. We'll see what happens, but it's definitely just it's just time for a change. The, they didn't work out recruiting wise, um, so it's it's just more or less like you, Kirk wants his own guys and a combination of that, and you got to get recruits at the end of the day. I know they got some decent names, and like I know Augie got Shaquan Loyal, Kyrie Banton, uh, Al Shadi Salam, but end of the day, those aren't North North Jersey kids. Like you got to get these North Jersey guys, and that was what you're here for. Absolutely. Um, and it started, we were all like really hyped about the, the possibility, especially for, for Augie when he came in, because he had two really high level guys from St. Joe's uh, in Gino Vandemark and August or Audric Estime. Mm-hmm. Um, Vandemark, 
was a sign to commit. You fucked around. He found out. He didn't end up at Rutgers. Um, and then estimate. Aldrich was uh, this close too. Like, Aldrich was really close, but I think he got that late Notre Dame offer, and that was kind of mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, the, the pelts weren't on the wall. You'd, you'd think for guys who were so well connected to the North Jersey parochial scene that we'd be able to land at least like one kid a class from one of these schools, but they just weren't able to do it. Um, <clears throat> point to whatever you want. But I think they were primarily bought, brought in as recruiting hires, and that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I think Shiana's kind of learning that, you know, if you're not going to be like an ace recruiter, you better be a damn good coach. Because if you got yeah. a Fran Brown on staff, and I'm not saying Fran Brown wasn't a good DB, DBs coach. I don't know if he was or not. It, mm-hmm. I would say he is because of how well our DBs have played since Shiana got back. Yeah. But when you have a guy like him, it honestly doesn't matter how good of a coach you are because – when you have um, like the expanded staffs that we now have in college football, you can have like so many guys <laughs> at practice where you can have like a coach per player essentially working yeah. in practice. So there's plenty of opportunities for, for kids to get coached up. It's just about how good of a recruiter are. How, how well do you relate with these kids? How, how are you able to get these kids on campus? And that's the number one factor um, in general. But if you're not going to be a good coach, you need to be a, an excellent or if you're not going to be a good recruiter, you need to be an excellent coach. Yeah, and it, I hate to say it, like just going piggybacking off that a little bit. Look at look at the roster. Look at the main contributors on the roster. Who recruited these guys? Tyreen Powell, Mel, Max Melton, Sam Brown. Um, yeah. I'm missing one. There's one other one. Kenny Fletcher, uh, Carnell Davis, who's going to contribute next year. What what do they all have in common? Shaquan Loyal was uh, he was a recruiter for him. Sean uh, Sean Munner one never banned out, but Cameron Stewart, Desmond Igbenosin, who Keontae Hamilton, who is the one factor with all those guys? It's Fran Brown. Fran Brown basically recruited yeah. your team, and that goes to show you, like like you just said, recruiting is seventy five percent of the battle at this point. Yep. If you get good recruits, you can have this guy develop him or this guy develop. It doesn't have to necessarily be you per se, but. Um, recruiting is, is the way to go. Like if you, if you get top recruits, you're going to be better. Simple as that. Yeah. And, and our second best recruiter <laughs> was Taekwon Underwood, who we let go because mm-hmm. presumably we didn't want to give him a title bump or a pay bump, but that's who knows. Um, yeah, whatever. So you've made some hot boards for the two open positions. One is definitely going to be offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. When a coach leaves, though, there's always the potential for further shakeup on staff. Like, I don't think there's 100% certainty that we're going to hire a tight ends coach. We might move somebody to tight ends coach and hire, you know, a different position coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the the names you've you've kind of heard for the offensive line job and uh, the kind of reception we're getting? So, I mean, Brian Callahan's the name that everyone wants to talk about because he's been Kirk Soraka's O-line coach for, uh, what, one, two, three, three years at Western Michigan. He was tight ends coach for one year at um, at Minnesota under him. Then he was moved to O-line in 2018. Then 2019, he was his O-line coach again. I think mm-hmm. 2020, that's when he left, and that's when he went to Penn State. And then 2021, yep. whatever. Then 2022, he's still there at O-line coach. And, yes, he's probably got some loyalty to Fleck at the end of the day. Um, I think his connections are out in Minnesota or in the Midwest, at least. Um, Minnesota considered the Midwest? I guess it is, technically. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so he's he's been he's very familiar with how this offense works, and he's a very good coach at the end of the day. So it wouldn't shock me if they try to reach out to him. I know uh, 
he he's developed a quite a heck of an offensive line in Minnesota. I know it's their quarterback play has been kind of eh, their wide receiver play has been eh, but he this offensive line is is pretty damn good, and it's a big reason why Mohamed Ibrahim was able to get twenty fucking touchdowns yes. last year. Yep. Um, on top of that, um, just not just player development scheme wise, he knows exactly what Kirk wants to run and how he's going to run it. So I mean, I think that's the perfect fit. Now, that being said, it sounds like Rutgers reached out to Darnell Stapleton. They did offer him the job, it sounded like. Uh, he did turn it down. Uh, he also was offered by a couple different um, – he had a couple opportunities, I'll say, for, for, from not just the college level, but a, a level above that. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, so something to watch there. And he turned that down as well. And now it sounds like he's going to get a pretty nice pay bump. Uh, it sounds like his buyout's pretty crazy at Florida, which doesn't shock me because Florida's got all the money in the world. Yep. Um, they had all the leverage too when they hired Napier. Napier was going up from Louisiana to Florida, so yep. they could probably write anything they wanted to in that contract, and they they all would have probably accepted. So, yep. Um, the other name I keep a really really close eye on is Scott Valone. He's been working with the offensive line for what two years now, <clears throat> three years if you count his GA year when uh his first season when Shiano returned he turned a, he he came back to the program as a GA. Uh, he started working with the O-line. Then he got promoted to offensive assistant, which is basically probably similar to the role he already had. It's just you don't have the title graduate assistant anymore. Um, and he played He played a bit. And like we just said, recruiting is the life uh, Life of – I don't even think – I don't know what the term would be there. Recruiting is the life of an assistant coach at this point. So he landed Dylan Braithwaite. He landed Ian Strong. And he's a big reason why you're – I don't want to say probably, but – you're probably on top for Josiah Brown. So I, I'll say probably on top. Who's what? Number two in New York? Number one in New York? It's yeah. him and Caden Brown go back and forth. So regardless, that that's just that one makes too much sense to me. Like, Yeah, I think we could see a third of our class come from the New York City area <laughs> next year and probably be the highest rated recruits too. And yeah. Balloon's playing a huge part in most of their recruitments. Um, I do want to kind of touch on uh, Brian Callahan a bit. Uh, if you just look at like what he's put into the NFL recently, like uh, Daniel Falele got drafted in the fourth round recently. Mm-hmm. PFF's number one center right now is uh, for this season was John Michael Schmitz. That was Minnesota's center. Uh, he's got two guards who were in the top 50 of their respective positions. Uh, one was Chuck Falega who transferred in from Michigan. The other was Axel Rushman. Then he had a top 50 uh, tackle in Quinn Carroll. So he's, Quinn Carroll is also a high-level recruit. So he, in his time at Minnesota, he's recruited well, and he's also developed these kids well. Um, mm. And Minnesota always seems to have a good offensive line, so I think he's probably <clears throat> the guy that makes the most sense if he's willing to leave. Again, doesn't necessarily have direct ties to the area, so that'll be tough. You've already touched on how Stapleton um, wasn't interested. So mm-hmm. if circling back, we're paying a million dollars this year for Sean Gleason to not be here. We're paying one four for Kirk to be here as the offense coordinator. So that's almost two point five million dollars just in the offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. Chiano has an assistant coaching pool. Is that pool going to be affected in terms of hiring? Like is Chiano basically able to go over his budget if he wants to? Because if not, that might force us to hire, you know, a guy like Valone at like a very low price. Yeah, I would say he's he's more than able to go over his budget. It's just a matter of convincing these guys to come here. End of the day, this offense has been struggling for – I don't even know when the last good offense was. I guess it's under the fridge, if I had to guess. Um, I don't know who – was it fridge or kill? Who was last? Because kill had a pretty decent offense. 
Um, well, Kill was under Kill. Kill was under Ash, so it would probably. Ash. Have to, yeah, so I I would argue Kill is pretty decent. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to say, and it's tough. It's tough to put your job on the line here. Like you have a pretty cushy gig at Minnesota. You didn't follow Kirk in the first place to uh, Penn State when he left, so that's that. I found a little bit interesting. And he did get promoted recently to run game coordinator. Just or uh, what was it like two seasons ago? Now the interesting thing is, is I think he got passed up for co OC, which I don't know if that plays really a factor or not. Because how many co OCs are offensive line coaches? Maybe a couple. I had to guess. Sure. So I so I know Simon obviously got co OC, and I think uh, tight ends was Harbaugh. Greg Harbaugh, his name is. I think mm-hmm. he also got the co OC <clears throat> role as well. Uh, which well, basically no, no. So, is just like uh, here, Matt, Matt Simon and yeah, Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr. are the co-OCs now in Minnesota. Okay, yeah. So it's I, I don't know if that's going to be their full-time OC thing or is that just like a title bump? That's, Either yeah, that's, so is that, is that, sounds is that like what they're planning. Sounds like it's going to be a one A one B situation <clears> where <throat> Matt Simon's the one A, Greg Harbaugh's the one B. These mm-hmm. co situations never really seem to work out unless there's a clear like I'm actually the offensive coordinator, you're co because you needed a pay bump. Like, that's fair, yeah, and that's that's what happens. I mean, that's that's just college football nowadays. But it does seem like he kind of got passed up a little bit. But he's still run game coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers reached out and he went right back to Minnesota and was like, "Hey, like, dude, they just gave they're giving me this. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm either out or you're paying me more." Yep. So he's from Illinois, so it's not like he's too far away, I guess, in Minnesota. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he seems like he seems like the the perfect hire to be honest. If you're going to go over the list that we have. Uh, there's a couple other names too, like we didn't even mention Bob Bostad. Bostad, um, he's been in such a weird role. He's been like offensive line coach his entire life, and then Wisconsin brought him in. And they're like inside linebackers. Yep. And then last season they were like, hold up, maybe you could be an O line coach. Like, I'm putting him over there. <laughs> yeah, maybe it makes you were no an sense. offensive line coach in the NFL under Greg Schiano. <clears throat> maybe you know what you're doing. That know. was his uh his first NFL stint, so it makes a lot of sense there. If uh. If you wanted to go, uh, if, if, if loyalties are loyalties in coaching ranks, I mean, it would make a lot of sense for him to come to Rutgers. But he did just get hired by uh, by Indiana to be their O line coach slash a run game coordinator, another position where it's just like here's money and here's a title, have fun. Yep. Uh, another interesting name that I, I I just like looked into yesterday is Bill Kenny. So Bill Kenny has connections to both Soraka and Shiano. He worked alongside Shiano during his days at Penn State, where he was the O-line coach at Penn State, and Shiano was the DB's coach. Uh, so that that kind of just checks two boxes right there immediately. He was Big Ten Conference tie or Big Ten Conference coaching experience, coached alongside Shiano, so they're very familiar with one another. He's also the recruiting coordinator at Penn State as well during that time. So that's something to monitor. Uh, now, in terms of Soraka, he was Soraka's tight end slash offensive tackles coach during his three years as OC at Western Michigan. Uh, so right there, right then and there, you can argue right that he has connections to, to the, arguably the two most important people at the in within the Rutgers football program between the OC yeah. and the head coach. So, and now the interesting thing is he wasn't retained. I said interesting like four or five times now. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't retained by the new head coach at Western Michigan, Lance Taylor. Mm-hmm. So that's something to monitor. So technically, he is just up for grabs. So you don't have to pay a buyout. You don't have to do anything. Uh, he's familiar with the staff already. He's worked with him recently, um, and he was a recruiting coordinator for the past three seasons at Western Michigan. Now, why didn't he go with Fleck? I kind of question. Uh, I find that 
I can't say the word interesting, but I, I find that intriguing. <laughs> um, so it's, it's definitely a name to monitor. I, I would even monitor him as tight ends coach possibly too, because he's, he's clearly familiar with uh, Bill uh, Callahan too. So Brian Callahan, I don't know why I want to say Bill Callahan. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, another name. they're related. Um, <clears throat> and what about uh, tight ends coach or the other off open <clears throat> offensive assistant role? Well, the name I just mentioned, obviously, was uh, – I don't even know what his name was. Uh, Kenny, Bill Kenny. Yep. So uh, there's, there's a bunch of other names out there, too. Like, I, I personally would look into Jeff Moore, who's over at UMass, young up-and-comer. He's coached at St. Thomas Moore as the head coach. He was at Loomis Chaff as the head coach. I know people are like, what are we doing? Are we doing this again with the high school coach? Different situation. At these prep schools, you can kind of almost recruit a little bit. Uh, so he's, he's kind of very familiar with the New England area because uh, he's been coaching there from 2017 to 2021. And now he has college experience as well as he was recruiting coordinator at UMass this past season. He's young. He's an up-and-comer. Rutgers is very familiar with Loomis Chaff. Uh, Paris Shand, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, yep. he was the head coach of Paris Shand. Uh, I forget. There was someone else that uh, ended up at Rutgers from Loomis. But uh, other names I would I would take a quick look at would be John Marinelli. He's one of the best recruiters at UConn. He's the reason – that they have Justin Jolly. He's the reason Justin Jolly was a true freshman All-American tight end. That would be a, a great pickup. He also Thanks. recently just landed uh, Michigan uh, transfer tight end, Louis Hansen, who's number 228 in our rankings and transfer portals. He's a great recruiter. His dad's called the godfather of Connecticut football. Like, and Lou Is Marinelli. he related to Rod? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't look into that one. Uh, but I mean, he's also coached in the Big Ten. He coached at Arizona first as an analyst for a couple of years under who was it, Kevin Sumlin back then. Then he went to Illinois for uh, for a year under Lovey Smith. So he has Big Ten experience. He's got recruiting connections throughout the New England area. His dad has recruiting connections throughout the New England area. Now that doesn't always translate perfectly to recruiting. But on top of that, he's he just developed one arguably the best tight end freshman tight end in college football. Like yep. And he was just his name was up for the uh, Central Connecticut State head coaching job. He was a finalist for that job, I can confirm, because you know I'm, I'm a UConn writer too. <laughs> uh, Bobby Bentley, Chase Dodd's dad. It makes this one almost makes too much sense in my opinion. Yeah, and he's uh, been a tight ends coach at uh, South Carolina as well. Exactly. And when he was at South Carolina, you know who he coached with? Mark Orphy. Yeah, Mark Orphy, when this job opened up as defensive backs at Rutgers, he reached out to Mark Orphy and said, maybe you should go reach out to him. Like, I think that would be a great job for you. And when he encouraged them to reach out, it ended up working out. He's, he knows Chase from his time at South Carolina when Chase was at South Carolina as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. He knows Bentley because he was a coach at South Carolina. He, yes, he coached one of the best um, – high school programs in South Carolina history and at the Burns high school. Um, he's familiar with Chiano during Chase's recruitment and uh, end of the day, like he has a pretty good resume. He worked at Auburn as an analyst. He worked at South Carolina as a running backs coach, South Carolina as a tight ends coach. Now he's South Florida's wide receiver pass game coordinator. This just, this screams like hire him. <laughs> like, I don't know what else yeah. to say there. And if you look at just like the amount of, NFL talent that South Carolina produced while he was on staff. So he mm -hmm. was on staff from 2016 to 2020. Mm -hmm. Here's the off here's the offensive guys they put in the NFL over that time. Skill positions only. 
Vero Cooper, <clears throat> Jarrell Adams. So Vero Cooper's a wide receiver. He went in fourth round. Jarrell Adams is a tight end who I guess he played for the Giants for a while. You might remember him. Yeah. Hayden Hurst was a tight end who went in the first round. Debo Samuel was a wide receiver who went in the second round, obviously still playing in the NFL. Ryan Edwards was a receiver that went in the third round. Like, that's a lot of skill position talent. When he was the tight ends coach, running backs coach, like, that is really impressive. Um, So he'd be a great hire. And Mm -hmm. I think he would help with one of the top remaining transfer portal guys in Isaiah Weaver. So I guess this is a good transition into how the portal's going for Rutgers. Xavier Xavier Weaver. Weaver. Yeah, isn't it Xavier? I think you said Isaiah. Isaiah. Um, I could be wrong. Xavier Weaver. Um, so Rutgers recently offered a, a new guy in the portal named Robert Rahimi from Liberty. He was a safety. Um, kind of surprising they're still pursuing defensive backs, given they've already landed two. Um, and obviously, if you follow the board, uh, a guy who, who visited Rutgers, uh, Joey Beljan, who's from uh, West Jersey, which is still weird to say, um, ended up committing to Cincinnati. <clears throat> Well, that being said, what are you hearing in the portal? Is there any new developments or are we kind of just in a holding pattern? It's yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's a, it's a holding pattern. It's just more of wait and see what happens. Um, they, they want a wide receiver and that's clear as day. They want a tight end. It's clear as day. They got their D tackle. So that's one check mark done. You got your two DBs check mark, check mark. Now it sounds like obviously with the new offer to Rahimi, they want to get a third DB probably a safety to fill in that Avery Young type role because it looks like Dixon will fill in that Izian type role and that hybrid linebacker safety type. Um, and I think he'll fit that role very, very well. Um, I wouldn't, I'd argue he might fit that role better than Izian next season. Uh, I'm very high on Dixon. I think he's going to be phenomenal for Rutgers, but Eric Rogers is going to go to corner. He'll probably fill in like as that cornerback two, if I had to guess right now. Could he get pushed by Abram or someone else? Yeah, of course, or loyal even. Um, but I think Abrams probably take the slot role. I think Rodgers goes on the outside, Melton on the other side. You have Dixon in that one hybrid safety. You have Igmanosin in that other safety role, and then you got to get someone else. So I don't know. You don't have to get someone else, I guess, but uh, it sounds like they're going to try to get someone else. They <laughs> Wide receiver is the big one. I don't know where they look towards wide receiver. I know people are asking me on the boards too, and it's, in terms of top tier wide receiver talent still available, you, you got to go down the list a little bit. Like Xavier Weaver would probably be the most ideal situation out of South Florida, especially if you can get his wide receivers coach. But other than that, there's not there's not really like a ton of big names. You're gonna have to probably wait it out a little bit. I wouldn't shock me if they they just said, "All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna wait till after spring because that's what spring is." The kids are gonna be like, "I'm number two on the depth chart. I'm number three. Fuck yeah. this. Yep. I'm out. Right, see you." And then they're like, I'm going to get paid. And then you go into portal and it's like, I got no options. And it's like, shit. Yep. <laughs> but uh, well, you, you should be able to find like someone. A lot of the realistic guys who I, you know, made a lot of sense in my eyes, like a guy like DeQuince Carter from Fordham, who just, <clears> you know, had an awesome year. He was a top 50 rated PFF guy uh, at wide receiver mm-hmm. out of like, you know, 1100 receivers. Was recruited to Fordham by Coach Shaw. Rucker showed no interest. He ended up in Indiana. So we're going to have to see yeah. him next year. That's going to suck. A guy like uh, Tyrese Chambers right. from yeah. from FIU. He's going to Maryland. A guy like Naeem Simmons. He's going, going to, to USF. Bobby Bentley. It makes sense. Well, Bo- yep. 
Uh, well, Bobby Bentley's no longer with that staff. I think. Oh, he got let go. I, I think they. Uh, I think they did. I, Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Um, I might be wrong. Okay. I was gonna say that would be interesting. And then there you go. He's he's available. There's another. No, I think he's still there. As far as I can. Maybe tell. I'm wrong. But anyway, so Naeem Simmons ended up at uh, USF. Like all these guys were maybe not maybe not Chambers, but the other two, they were you know within reach. <clears throat> Makai Jackson, who was the freshman All American out of St. Francis, he he went to Appalachian State. Like that was a guy Rutgers probably could have landed if they went after him hard. Uh, Dakari Carter from Merrimack, who is you know a North Brunswick guy, mm-hmm. he he wanted to be at Rutgers, but he ended up at Georgia State, which isn't that high of a level of competition, but that's a guy you could have landed. Yeah. Like there was plenty of opportunities to land decent players. We just didn't engage in the portal. Um, and now we're kind of left playing a game of musical chairs uh, in the final round. And we're entering a game where there's only one chair and about 10 people circling around it. So, yeah, but something interesting, I just quick Twitter search and Bobby Bentley about two years ago, Gus Malzahn, who I think we all know pretty well, is a, co- a pretty damn good college coach. He's now at C- uh, Central Florida. He tried to steal Bobby Bentley from – he tried to hire him as the offensive coordinator at UCF when he uh, two years ago. Yep. Obviously, Gus, uh, he decided to stay. He got promoted to pass game coordinator. So it seems like he's very comfortable down in South Florida, whether that be a connection to the staff or something. But – if he, this man's going to get hired by Gus Malzahn as OC, I think you can kind of trust him to, to come here and coach tight ends or whatever. Wider, yeah. or, uh, you maybe move someone around. I don't even know. But it, w- it would make a lot of sense to hire him, I think, if you were at least try to, at the very least. So it's an interesting name. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense, but <laughs> not much has made sense regarding the portal for, for Rutgers this year on the offensive side. Yeah, um, it's tough. We do have a basketball game as well tonight. Uh, Rutgers plays at Northwestern at 9 p.m. A um, little bit of a late start time, so I hope everyone's able to, to stay awake for that whole game. Um, but Northwestern's kind of surging right now. It's not a team I'd want to play at the at this very moment. Um, it's not going to be an easy game. I haven't checked the spread. I'll check that now. Um, but what uh, what should we look out for tonight against Northwestern? Uh, can you hear me at all? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Because it's not showing my mic on here. I just kicked my computer again for like the 18th time on this pod. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is a tough matchup. Uh, Northwestern's no slouch. Uh, they did just beat Indiana, so that's a pretty big win for them. At, at Assembly Hall, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not like the craziest thing in the world for them to uh, to lose this game. But this Rutgers team, you got you gotta every time they they take an L, they bounce back like tenfold. So it wouldn't shock me if Rutgers just comes out, blows them out the out the door, and it's like, oh, what the hell just happened? Like, and we'll be on the, you'll see the boards, they'll be freaking out, and it's like, what, like what? The? So this is a quad one game too. This is this is big for Rutgers' uh, yeah tournament resume. You got to get this dub, um, especially because you're you're facing Ohio State Sunday, home game, so it might help a little bit. But Ohio State's arguably the top team in the Big Ten. I think you yep. can argue. Uh, Purdue, obviously, I mean, they're not that good because Rutgers just kicks the shit out of them every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> kicks the shit out of them, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, that's probably their – Ohio State, if you look at the numbers-wise, is the toughest matchup going forward, and that's coming up next. You can't look ahead. You just got to yeah. focus on this game and just get walk out and just try to get the win, no matter what it takes. So, 
So Northwestern is three and one in conference. They opened up conference play with a win at Michigan State. They've mm-hmm. won seven of their last eight games. Their only loss was against Ohio State. They just went into Assembly Hall and beat Indiana. They mm-hmm. beat Illinois at home. Um, this is a hot team. Uh, Rutgers is a f- slight favorite at Northwestern. <clears throat> They're a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now, is what I'm seeing. Um, some of the players to watch out for, uh, Chase Adagi, I think is how you spell his name, say his name. Yeah, I believe so. Odagi. Um and Boo Booey, which is all-time Boo funny Booey. Um, those are their t- top two scorers. Um, in terms of uh, three-point shooting, I don't really – I honestly don't know a whole lot about them other than they've had a lot of success recently. Yeah. Um, I, it, they're such a weird totally team, honest. too, because, like, there's a couple games early in season where you look at the numbers and it's like, all right, man, they're playing great defense. Like 52 points against a Liberty team, that's pretty good. They only gave up 43 to an Auburn team that's ranked. Or I think they're ranked, at least. I forget. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's like 87 to Pittsburgh. It's like, wait, what What just happened? Like, And then all of a yep. sudden, it's like you switch it back, and it's like 63 to Michigan State, who you beat. Uh, 60 points to an Illinois team. And then, yeah, you won, but 83 to Indiana. It's like, wait, are you playing defense or not? Like, what's... What, what's going on here? One game you're locking down a team that's like a top team in the country. And the next game you're like, you're, you're giving up 80 points. And it's like, there's such a weird one. And it's hard to really like tell how good they actually are. Um, now that being said, they're on, they're on a hot streak right now. So you, you do have to uh, <laughs> have to figure something out there. Yeah. Jason um, Doggy's number eight in scoring in the conference right now. So that's, that's one mm-hmm. you got to watch out for. I think you probably put uh He's what six four. You probably put Caleb on him if I had to guess. I mean, Cam's been pretty decent in defense too recently. He's had his struggles from time to time, but he's been decent. So maybe you start out there and see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's this is this is not a not an easy matchup by any means. I know we used to think Northwestern used to be like you know whatever, keep keep it moving. Um, now it's now it's pretty tough. And they ironically they lost their best player, and I think they got better. Yeah. So. Northwestern, their underlying metrics don't like them as much as you'd think for a twelve and three mm-hmm. team. So they're fifty first in Ken Palm. Rutgers, despite being eleven and five, is sixteenth in Ken Palm. Um, Northwestern's a very similar team, in, according to the metrics, as Rutgers. They're kind of rough offensively, but very, very good on defense. So they're a top ten team um, in terms of defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Rutgers is number six. Uh, number three, I'm sorry, and, and uh, Northwestern's number 10. Northwestern, in terms of offense efficiency, is 159, and Rutgers is 131st. So mm-hmm. just a very similar style, it seems. Um, I know that they're very aggressive on defense. Uh, so it's basically going to be like, who can <laughs> who can play better defense and, and shoot better um, tonight? And I know that sounds like overly simplistic, but... <laughs> Like, they went into Assembly Hall and scored 84 points. Like, that is no joke. Going on the road and scoring that many, like, keeping up with a team that's that's shooting well uh, in Indiana last night or two nights ago, it's going to be tough. I I like – I don't know. I They're think also, Rutgers needs to bounce back. I know this is just a stupid stat, but it's like they're also very lucky. They're, like, number 39 in luck per Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Rutgers is number three forty six in Kemba. Yeah, for for luck, and it's just like 
Where does that rank technically? 346 is the bottom, like, 15. Yep. Bottom 20, maybe. But it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, luck is a factor at the end of the day, but this team plays great defense. So I'm kind of, like, eerily confident in this one. Like, if I could, I can't in New Jersey, clearly, because there's stupid laws that say you can't bet in um, in New Jersey on Rutgers or Seton Hall or any other program. I'd probably... Uh, Probably even, I guess the spread doesn't matter. It might just help you a little bit instead of money line, but I'd probably bet on Rutgers. I, I'd probably like heavily bet on Rutgers. I'm, I'm really confident that this team's going to bounce back and they do it every time. So I don't even know why I'm saying like out of nowhere, but this, I'm, I'm confident they pulled this one off. I kind of am too. I'm in the process of depositing to make a bet. So but I <laughs> also bet on them against Iowa the other day. So. Yeah. Did, uh, what was oh, no, they were favorites, right? No, they were against underdogs. Iowa. No, they were favorites. Were they favorites? They were favorites yeah. Iowa. They were like a, a five and a half point favorite against Iowa. And don't take my gambling advice, but I, I, hey, if you read the war room each week, my my college basketball bets, uh, I just got to say, pretty damn good. So suck it, Christian Craig. And and you know what? <laughs> I I don't like how I got called out on my college football bets this week by Christian Dyer. Don't don't call me out on that. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he quote tweeted at me. He's like, yeah, that's what I want to do is listen to your college football bets after this season. I was like, damn, all right, just tell oh me you're God. a member on the site without telling me you're a member on the site. <laughs> but yeah, 28 and 8 so far this year and just Big Ten matchups. So, I mean, I think it's I know just the straight conference. up, right? Yeah, just straight up. Yeah. I, I'm not doing spread. I'm too lazy. I'll mess it up. All right, so, guys. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we sign off here, Rich? Uh, let's see. Coaching hires. There's no timeline for it, so stop asking me. Um, <clears throat> Tuesday will be the new hoops recruiting updates. Ah, that will well, be pretty big. What's happening tomorrow? What's tomorrow? I don't even know. It's twelve. Remind me. There was an announcement about uh, press availability. Oh yes, Kirk Soraka and Greg Shiano will be available tomorrow. If you have questions. Post them in the comments, I guess, of the YouTube. Or if you're listening to this on the site, post them on the site. Start a thread. I, I don't, I don't care. And I'll ask him anything that has everything, anything but to do with his uh, firing in 2010, because I'm not asking that question on the yep. first day. Um, <laughs> I would like to be somewhat in his good graces, so make the questions reasonable. Um, Greg and Kirk Soraka, That's that's pretty much it tomorrow. I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe like I think 10 to 12 minutes each are usually press conferences. So. And then, uh, like I was saying before, Tuesday, basketball recruiting rankings will be updated. Gavin Griffiths right now, I think, is sitting at Griffiths. Sorry, pronounced that wrong. 30. I think he's going higher. I'm not sure how much higher. Um, it's already Pike's highest recruit ever. Uh, but that might not last very long, so we'll see. And then uh, Bay, Nadon- May- Bay Nadangu, who apparently I forgot to change his uh, profile to committed. Um, so ignore that notification that you guys are about to get on the Rivals app. Um but yeah, he uh, he's going to be in the top 150. It sounds like there, there's a big fight for it um, among a couple analysts. Uh, they liked they liked him in the uh, the Tarik Invitational, I think it was called, in Las Vegas. He dominated. Yeah, he's a bit of a project, but top 150 project. So he's he's still a pretty damn good uh, recruit. So end of the day, I think Rutgers is going to end up with two top 150 guys in this class, and Michael Davis, who's probably a little underrated, but. This is big. This is big for Rutgers. Rutgers basketball on, on, on the rise. And like I said last pod, the ceiling's here, and I always think it just stops, and it's just like, nope, it just keeps going. So The ceiling cool. is the roof. Yeah, um, there you go, Jordan. 
Yeah. Um, another interesting thing, guys, uh, we're talking about this, and I've seen it mentioned a few places, but as we're kind of letting ourselves dream, our minds wander a bit about this basketball team this year, one of the regional sites is MSG, the Eastern Regional. So the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight is going to be held at MSG. That is true. Rutgers gets in that East Regional and makes a run to MSG. Can you imagine what that environment's going to be like? they get out of that first weekend we get a preview kind of in february it's true but there's not really a little, little preview not as yeah much there's not really real stakes in that game it's a, i mean it's a conference game it's always got stakes but it's not yeah, a sweet 16 or an elite eight game um but hey, allow your you... minds to, to wander there throughout the next couple months 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 22, 22. what's wait what game was that is it michigan state it's michigan state's the beginning of february I think it's like the second of February. You're seventeen and five. I think that environment's gonna be pretty pretty close. I mean, we have to win six straight to yeah, be seventeen and five. <laughs> yeah. I'm going um, a little overboard here, but like hey, you wanted to wander. I wandered a little further. We have we have wandered right into oncoming traffic there. Um, yeah. so with that I will uh have a sign off here. We've gone pretty long today. But appreciate yeah. you guys uh tuning in. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Please give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. If this is the first time listening, please uh, follow us or subscribe on your favorite podcasting podcasting app. Thanks again, guys. This has been another edition of the podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.